Welcome to another episode of Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. Thanks for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today comes to us from the Charm City, that is, Baltimore, Maryland. He is one Neil Carcanus, the lead singer and guitarist for pop-punk outfit The Great Heights Band, and Neil is also the owner of Rad Pop Records. For our conversation today, we are going to be discussing Ben Folds 5 and their second album, Whatever and Ever Amen, which was released on Epic Records in 1997. Whatever and Ever Amen spawned five singles, including... Battle of Who Could Care Less, Kate, One Angry Dwarf and 200 Solemn Faces, Brick, as well as Song for the Dumped. Without further ado, let's welcome Neil to the program. Neil, it's so great to have you. Thanks so much for joining the show. Of course, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's, um, it's really cool to be on a, on a podcast talking about one of my favorite records of all time. Right on. And uh, congratulations to you and uh, the Great Heights Band uh, for your new, with your new five-song EP, um, Cabin Fever. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it, it just dropped um, on April 27th. Um, you know, originally we were going to put it out in the fall of 2020 with maybe a few more songs. Maybe it would have turned into a full length. But given uh, quarantine and the, the global pandemic that we're all suffering through, um, we said, Hey, let's put this thing out now. Cause you know, what else are we going to do? And ironically it was called cabin fever way before any of this was a reality. Um, so we just thought it kind of made sense and, um, hope, hope you people like it. Awesome. We are talking with Neil Carcanis here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka and, uh, Neil, why don't we, uh, discuss Ben folds five together and whatever and ever. Amen. Um, you know, where did this all begin for you? Uh, what inspired you to choose this record for a conversation? And, you know, also how did you come about, you know, this record and, and just the group at large? So, um, of course you had asked me to, to join the podcast and, uh, I thought deeply about, you know, the records that I'd love that have made a significant, um, impact and influence on my life. And there's many, there's probably, you know, at least a couple of dozen records that I listen to all the time, um, if not hundreds that uh, that have had some sort of influence for me. But this one stuck out particularly because a of you know how it sounds and sort of just the energy and the vibe that it has, um, and b when it came out and sort of where I was in my life and um, all that good stuff. So it came out. You just reminded me it came out in 1997. So that means I was probably 11 years old. Um, and I was a '90s baby. I mean, I grew up. I mean, I was born in 1986, but I really grew up in uh, the '90s. And I grew up on, you know, grunge and then punk rock and pop punk and alternative music um, of the '90s. Really great alternative pop rock and things like that. And I think you hear that a lot in a lot of the music that um, I'm a part of with the Great Heights Band and some of my other projects. Um, but this record in particular, I remember a buddy of mine who grew up down the street from me. He got this album on CD, and at the time, CD was like the big thing, and we didn't have a ton of money. And so when someone had a new CD, it was really exciting. They'd run down to their, their friend's house, and we'd all listen to it together. 
And um, I didn't even realize it had five singles, um, but I remember the song Brick was like a, a huge hit. And um, my buddy said, you know, I don't really like this album. Do you want it? <laughs> and I said, sure. Uh, and so um, I, I listened to it and Brick was the only song I'd heard at that time um, before I listened to the record. And if you listen to the whole thing, it's, it's eclectic. It's, it's, uh, meaningful. It's, um, big and bold, but it can also be quiet and, and thoughtful. Um, and it was just a unique sound of the time. And it's, it's a three piece band with a piano, bass and drums, but it has all the energy and attitude of punk rock. And I just, I just love it. Talking with Neil Carcanis here of the great Heights band here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka. We're delving deep very soon into whatever and ever. Amen. Uh, Neil, can you uh, describe for our listeners, if they happen to be unfamiliar with Ben Folds, um, who are the players that make up this trio? It's, uh, you know, it's kind of odd, you know, that some might say that they're the Ben Folds five, but we have three players. Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> um, so to be honest, I only know Ben Folds and then there's two other guys. So if we looked it up, let's see. Uh Oh, here we go. Darren Jesse and Robert Sledge. So Ben Folds plays piano, lead vocals, electric piano, and melodica. And then Darren Jesse plays drums, percussion, backing vocals. And then Robert Sledge plays bass guitar, double bass, and backing vocals. And what I love about um, this band is that, like you said, it's called Ben Folds 5. And so it's kind of funny. It's a three-piece. Um, I'm not really even sure why they're called Ben Folds 5. I should probably look that up. But the bass tone in particular has this like grungy, um, like overdrive sound, you know, it has, it's basically like a bass plugged into a fuzz pedal. Um, and I think that's so rad. And when you talk about a three piece that has like a punk rock energy without even having a guitar in the band, you really need that thick, um, fuzzy driving bass. Um, and I just think that's awesome. And if you listen to the the percussion and the drums, it has more of like a like a jazz influence. Um, and I think the way Ben plays piano is very much jazz driven. Jazz meets rock and roll, um, but it's that bass guitar that makes gives it that punk rock feeling. This is the second record from Ben Folds Five. Um, do do you think that whatever and ever Amen is uh, a, a- drastic departure from what they were recording for their first, for their debut record? Or do you think that they were searching for, you know, this kind of tracks to, to and go in this sort of direction, you know, were there forerunners from the first record into this one? Um, I think it's definitely, it's not necessarily different, but it is evolved. Um, I think the songwriting is a little bit stronger. Um, definitely that, that, that bass tone, wasn't as like flushed out. I don't think on the, on the first record, um, you know, the first record just felt more like jammy and fun and kind of like a garage band type of type of feel. Um, what I love about, uh, whatever and ever amen is that it feels like it's polished, but it's not polished with polished. It's polished with like spit. And, and I think that that's really cool. So it still has that raw, like kind of fucked up sounding vibe to it, but the songs are way stronger and it covers a lot of different, um, topics, whether it's, uh, you know, love and breakups and sadness or 
completely random, funny uh, concepts like One Angry Dwarf and 200 Solemn Faces is about literally a dwarf. And and this dwarf coming back and saying, fuck you to everybody that like treated him like crap. And, you know, Kate is a, is a really fun song about a, a, you know, someone that it seems like Ben admires named Kate. And it's like tongue in cheek. And it's almost like he uh, worships the ground she uh, walks on. Um, and then Steven's last night in town is like, uh, you know, about this funny uh, Jewish character um, that um, has uh, all kinds of like crazy escapades. And so it, for me as a songwriter, it showed me that there's like so many other things that you can write about. Even the song Cigarette, um, it's either Cigarette or Smoke. I'm not sure. It's one of those two songs. It might be Smoke um, where the song is written about a um, a house that burned down. And there, it was just a story that he read in the newspaper. And so, you know, a lot of times songwriters focus on, you know, the breakups or the love you song, you know, you know, the love songs and things like that. But there's, you can write about almost anything. And I think it's really cool the way they did this on this record. Let's talk about whatever you'd like. Some of your favorite tracks on here. Um, you mentioned, you know, right off the top, the first track, One Angry and One Angry Dwarf and 200 Solemn Faces. And uh, it's... There's a lot of dazzling grand piano from yeah. Ben Folds here. Uh, kind of gives off the impression of, uh, you know, you, you know, somebody taking on a high wire act at the carnival <laughs> in terms of the way that he seems yeah. to approach his, his piano. You mentioned that, that fuzzed out bass that you get, um, sort of yeah, so like, in some ways. And yeah. So like for, for one angry dwarf, um, the, that that high wire piano that you're talking about it reminds me a lot of Jerry Lee Lewis and some of those like fast rock and roll bluesy piano pa- players from many years ago. Um, and you know you just don't really hear that much in music. This came out in 1997, but I don't hear that much even today. I don't think I've when you hear a Ben Folds piano part, you know that it's Ben Folds. Um, and I think it's really cool that he has he set himself apart with his own style, and it's a style that has it's not this charm, but it's charisma, you know. And you know he's he's having fun. He's playing that cool solo in the middle of the song, but the song isn't only about the piano. It's about this funny uh, story. It's about um, you know it's it's the 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 vocals are really really catchy. Throughout the entire record, there's a lot of oohs and ahs and do's and da's. And, you know, I would, I haven't talked to them about this, but I would, I would venture to guess that a lot of that is influenced by the Beach Boys and Pet Sounds and things like that. So it steals and borrows from all these cool different influences, whether it's the Jerry Lee Lewis, whether it's the Beach Boys, uh, or whether it's, whether it's punk rock. Um, and I'm saying like punk rock, like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and things like that. Sure. Um, and if you listen to Kate, um, the piano part is way, way more in the background. It's just like a quarter note, bump, 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 bump type of type of driving uh, energy. But it's really that bass guitar in that song um, that that really makes that thing work. And if you listen to it closely in the mix, the bass is actually brought up higher than the piano. Bum, 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 
that whole melody goes throughout the entire song. Um, and so it's all about the bass in that one. And I just think it's so great for a three piece throughout all these songs to sound so full. You mentioned Kate and uh, right at the beginning from, from a lyrical point of view, there's such a cool, like subtle call out to that 1963 classic by the ventures uh, Wipeout. Um, she plays Wipeout on the drums. I remember just, you know, being a kid in the cafeteria, just trying to, you know, get that sort of, you know, fast yet syncopated kind of beat to it. I just thought that was just kind of a really nifty lyric to, to start a song like that. Yeah, I agree. What, what, what say you? Do you have any? Do you have any particular favorite lyrical lines in Cade or even um, uh, Dwarfs? Um, honestly, man, I could go through every single song, and I just think there's something clever um, throughout all of it. I mean, Kate, you you nailed it. You know, she plays wipe out, wipe out on the drums. The spirit, the squirrels, and the birds come gather around to sing the guitar. Oh, oh, I have you got nothing to say. I mean, that's how that song starts. And that's, that's amazing. Cause it's like this character that he's talking about is setting the tone, not just for the, not just for the song itself, but for the song that she's playing with these animals on earth, right? Squirrels and the birds are coming to sing the guitar. Um, I mean, that's just really cool. And then I remember, I mean, I was 11 years old when I heard this. So I was like, oh my God, I think she smokes pot. She's everything I need. She's everything I'm not like. That's kind of like, you know, she doesn't give a fuck. She just kind of like does what she wants. Um, and he really admires that, but he's kind of like a little bit scared of that. And then like later on in that song, down by the Rosemary and Cameron, she hands out the the Bhagavad Gita uh, that, you know, that's that really plays to her um, rebellious nature, right? Like. The Rosemary and Cameron is, is referring to Catholicism and handing out the Bhagavad Gita is like Hinduism, right? And so oh, it's God. like the, yeah. the, the yeah. polar opposite sort of yeah. thing. Um, and it's cool that he just respects this person that just doesn't give a fuck. And I think that's really cool. Um, because one would argue that if you really listen, it's almost like he doesn't care either. And I think that's really cool. Um, but then there's songs like Brick, which is this massive, massive hit. Um, which is really, really deep. And I didn't, I didn't learn this until way later in life. You know, I didn't know about this when I was 11 years old. I didn't know about really about sex and the reproductive cycle and beyond that about, you know, abortion. And that's what that song is about is a couple that has this secret abortion and is facing the music later on because, you know, that they weren't able to handle it. And that's a super powerful and then there's a song called um, uh, Selfless, Cold, and Composed. And that's about, um, you know, you have been in a relationship with someone and you guys, you, you know, you, you break up and you want to still like have, you still want to fight a little bit. And when that other person doesn't even care at all and is completely like numb to the entire situation that almost, yeah. that almost hurts more than the fight itself and the breakup itself. It's like, at least pretend like you used to care. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just all these different um, themes throughout this record are just, it takes like stuff we can all relate to, but looks at it a little bit differently. And I think that that's, that's what makes a great record and a great song.
This record really ebbs and flows a lot. Uh, we're talking about Selfless, Cold, and Composed, a blissful, very jazzy six minutes and 11 seconds. The song before that, the song for the dumped, is it's just it's just <laughs> fuel it's fueled by anger you know yeah for, for lack of a better word and it just all of a sudden it just kind of dips back down to okay here's here's a little reflective point here with selfless cold and composed it's not the happiest place in the world but it's there's just such a plethora of emotions on this record right yeah that's so true i mean like i hadn't even considered that they were next to each other in the track listing but that to, like that realization just now is just another reason why I think this record is brilliant. Um, like you said, song for the dumped is just like, fuck you. You're dumping me. Fuck you. Give me my money back. Give me my money back. You bitch. And don't forget to give me my black t-shirt. Black you know? t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like everybody has their favorite black t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and, and everybody has that like, you know, sweatshirt you left over at the, someone's house or whatever. That you're like, man, I left that there because like I wanted it there, but now I want it back, and that's just awesome. It's just awesome, and it's like it's just driving. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a song that just like kicks really hard from the beginning. Um, it's great. Talking with Neil Carcanis of the Great Heights Band and Rad Pop Records here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarkas, specifically about Ben Foltz's 1997 record, uh, Whatever and Ever, Amen. We are recording remotely. Neil's dogs are engaging with us in conversation. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I agree. Great song. Yeah. <laughs> um, Neil, you mentioned a, a couple of minutes ago, you know, there was this real um, – there's a really just interesting decision to, you know, make some of these songs, you know, as stripped away as they could possibly be for authentication in a lot of ways. Um, I'm thinking specifically about the ending to the first two, two tracks, uh, Dwarfs and, um, oh, I think, think here, Matt, help me out for a second. Oh, fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the conclusion of each of those tracks, there was uh, there was a judgment call to leave the producer's commentary in afterwards saying, you know, like, oh, hey, that's a great take. Let's keep that one. Or, hey, that sounded good. Yeah. You know, there, yeah. there was some, there's something very off the cuff about leaving that, you know, as, as part of a track. It's, you know, you were talking about how there's, you know, spit as part of the polish. And, and totally. that might be an example of that. Totally. Well, what's I, I completely agree. I mean, what's great about this band is that this sounds so stupid, but they're a great band. Like they're great musicians. And so a lot of these songs were tracked live and just like, let's just get in a room and let's play the songs. And um, you don't really see that so much anymore, especially because we have all these fancy computers and Pro Tools and uh, Logic and all that stuff. And we can move, drag things around and put on autotune and yada, yada, yada. Um, but uh, but uh, those the, the the end of those songs remind me a lot of a lot of the punk rock records I love because the punk rock records do a lot of the same thing in terms of the producer or even the singer or whatever is like, well, that's as good as it's going to get, or you know, this is that's the song, you know, I'm done or whatever, and they they just after the fiftieth time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's and it's hilarious to me because like. They would do that on those records because a lot of times those punk bands are just, they're just not as good as, you know, the songs are great and I love the energy and I'll always love punk rock music, but 
they're just not the best musicians and that's okay. And that's kind of part of what punk is, is like, it's okay to be a little shitty. It's not that great to be perfect, but you know, when they did it on this record, it's like, it's like they made it with reckless abandon, but they're also like professionally trained jazz and, and, you know, incredible, uh, incredible musicians that went to like the finest schools and they know how to play. Um, but it's like at the end of one angry dwarf, he's not, he's not just playing a, a, a major chord that, that resolves the whole thing. It's like he slams his arm on the, on the keyboards. And then that's the song. It's like you push a lot. One of the things we talk about a lot when we're making great heights band records is I kind of want things to sound a little shittier than they do. And um, you know, the guys in the band are all, incredible musicians but eric in particular eric taft um runs a recording studio and he does he does full-time production for his job and he works on a lot of music that is um meant to be perfect it's meant to sound perfect and i don't want that personally for my own band because i want it to sound a little fucked up and so one of the things we talk about is like i want this piano to sound like we pushed it down the stairs I don't want it to sound perfect. And I love that about this album. And I think I've definitely borrowed that for my own, own music. Talking with Neil Carcanis here of the Great Heights Band on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarkas, specifically about Ben Folds 5 and their 1997 record, Whatever and Ever Amen. Uh, Neil, are there any additional tracks that you would like to go into more granular detail about? So if you listen to, sorry, I'm eating a taco. It's kind of dinner yeah. time. But um, it's Taco Tuesday. It is Taco Tuesday. So I talked about this earlier, but Stephen's Last Night in Town, it's like, it's more than a three piece band. It's like a full on orchestra. And it has this kind of um, old school sort of, you're at a bat, bat mitzvah type of sound to it. It's like the the soundtrack to a bat mitzvah, and or bar mitzvah, and um, I think that's really great because that's clearly who the character is about, and they have this jazzy type thing throughout it, but it's still like a straight rock and roll song. Um, I think it's awesome. Listen to it because it's really cool. Uh, just the arrangement, the overall arrangement is incredible. It could be for like a movie soundtrack or something. See, which one did we didn't talk? I think we basically talked about all of them. Battle of Who Care, Could Care Less. That kind of reminds me of college because he's referring to maybe a friend or whatever that sleeps in every single day and like is really trying to prove that they just don't give a shit. Yeah, and watching the Rockford Files. Right, right, exactly. And um, great show. Just funny. It's, it's, fu- it's funny that he's making fun of that, right? Because like, I mean, I know I was there when I was in high school and even when I was in the front end of college, just being a kid and being immature and like being like, you know, fuck you to the system and all that. And there, and I think we all know people like that. And I think it's funny that he pokes fun at it. Um, not to mention that uh, he got kicked out of his music program, like in his own life. And so, so that's kind yeah. of a funny, funny sort of uh, coincidence, I would say. But, a, little, a little autobiographical. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a great record through it and throughout. I mean, if you're a young kid at 11 years old, you probably skip through some of the slower ones, slower tracks. And you got excited by like One Angry Dwarf and Song for the Dumped and Kate and Stephen's Last Night in Town. 
but you know, scattered throughout this album is like a a, a more reflective, um, more reflective songs, more thoughtful in the sense that they're just deeper. And I think a lot of the times, in fact, throughout the whole record, um, the music matches the content of the lyrics. And I think that's why I, I I'm kind of rambling, but I think that's why I focused on Stevens last night in town. It sounds like a bar mitzvah because it's about a, like a alpha Jewish guy. Um, and one angry dwarf ends with him slamming his arm on the, on the piano because it's a, it's an angry song. Uh, same thing with song for the dubbed. And I just think that's really cool. Um, and it's hard to do that. It's really hard to do that as a songwriter. Combining physical emotions onto your instruments is <laughs> yeah. it's very, very appropriate given right. how, how you feel and points that you're trying to get across in the song. Yeah. I mean, like think about like yesterday by the Beatles, right? Um, when Lennon wrote that song, the lyrics are so sad and beautiful. If you made that, like if you made that the way that uh, hello, goodbye sounds, it wouldn't be as good of a song. Yesterday sounds really, really sad because of the way he made it sound. Mm-hmm. Talking with uh, Neil Carcanis here of the Great Heights Band on cover to cover, all about Ben Folds, all about whatever and every amen. Uh, Neil, the closing tracks at, uh, right after Battle of Who Could Care Less, we have Missing the War and Evaporated. With Evaporated, there's this beautiful call and response between that upright bass and piano. Um, just I love it, just a real ethereal type of track and fit and very just fitting to, to close the entire record. Totally. Um, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's just like, it just takes a step back and, um, is just the perfect, the perfect closer, um, for a full album. And that's kind of what makes me sad about, um, releasing music in 2020 and beyond. It feels very much like we're in a singles game. And I think we miss like, at least I miss what music and um, records are all about, which is like a full story and a full like experience. And I think this, this record gives you a full experience. And when you just have a single, everyone is just focused on writing a song that's catchy. And that's not, for me, that's not um, great music. Very random question. I had a whole batch of questions I, you know, was planning to ask you. No, it's cool. But now that now that we're talking about, you know, concepts that an artist is trying to get across with a full length, I feel like this would be really appropriate. And that is in this kind of like singles game, singles world that we're, you know, dealing with and kind of sort of part of a new, I don't know, strategy for, is for lack of a better word of releasing music in some cases. Do you think by releasing EPs, you can still get like a fully flushed out overarching story? I think you can. I think it's really hard. I mean, it depends. Um, you know, we just put out an EP. Uh, it's five songs. Um, but like some of the feedback we've gotten is like we wish, you know, people thought people wish it was longer. Um, and me personally, I prefer a longer listen. Um, you know, I think that it depends on how you as an artist are approaching your music? Are you approaching your music to get ears and to get follows and to get sort of fame? Or is your, uh, is your focus as an artist on the art itself? Um, 
for me, I tend to be more the latter than the former. But unfortunately, it's like if if you um, make an album that no one listens to, then did you really make an album type of deal? So I think it's um it's really 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 hard. Um, I think the best thing for artists to do that really care about the art and something I try to focus on is to not just write one song, but to write like 20 and pick the best ones from those, but make sure it fits whatever theme and mood you want it to come across. And so for cabin fever in particular, and we kind of did this by accident, but it kind of, it, it worked together because we're all kind of around the same age and going through a lot of the same things in life. But the song, the, the songs are a lot about mental health and, um, dealing with some of the uh, challenges of, of young adulthood and sort of um, growing up and things like that. And so a lot of those songs on this record all tend to touch on, on that general sort of um, those general topics. And so I think we were able to strike that balance. Um, but I think it's really, really, really hard to do. I think you're better off trying to do it. If you're trying to really tell a complete story, you're, you, I think you need more time. Wholeheartedly agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle yeah. that, you know, I struggle with that idea myself. I mean, the past couple of EPs, I've released, you know, four songs at a time. And I'm really happy with that output. And there's, you know, sort of a, you know, an underlying feeling with all of those songs. But it's very difficult to tell to say what you want to say in just four or five tunes. It's like you're just getting started. Yeah. You're just getting started saying what you want to say. Right. Um, and you haven't quite like a really great record that's able to tell a full story. But by the time you're at track four or five, that should be the middle of the book. Like you're like just getting into it. You're just like, you're just now connecting with the character and the story and the listener starts to actually care or give a shit. Um, so I think you need probably 10 tracks if you're telling, talking about something that really matters. Now, if you're just making a, you know, if you're just making a, a LMFAO record, you know, or a 303 record, then who gives a shit? Do the singles thing and you'll make a lot of money and that's great. Um, but that's music for, that's creating music to be entertainment. That's not creating music to be art. And so you have to, you have to decide what kind of artist you want to be. Um, and unfortunately, a mu- musician or an artist that's creating music for art, you're probably not going to get your big break immediately because it takes a while for people to really care. Talking with Neil Carcanis here of the Great Heights Band, we're running the gamut here. We're talking about Ben Folds. We're talking about you know approaches to releasing music, and um, this just this just dawned on me that on this particular record they sort of poke fun at the idea of hidden tracks that used to almost always, you know, encompass something that was released, particularly in the nineties. And at the tail end of evaporated, I think it's the producer of this record that makes this very sly pointed remark about, look, man, I got your hidden track here right now. Ben folds is a fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. It's the, it's the very last minute of that six minute and 42 second saga. Yeah. um, Yeah. It just, the hidden track quality of records is just lost because we are in that singles world these days. Right. And nothing is hidden. Like we could pull it up on Spotify and it's right there. And it's funny. Like, we tried to do that with our second album, Rad Pop. We actually had, so the, the album itself was 11 songs, but we had a bonus track on the CD and we had a bonus track on the vinyl. 
two different songs. So in total, we had 13 songs. And so we'll probably put out a deluxe version with some B-sides and stuff. But um, we did that strictly because it gave people a reason to buy each medium. Um, And those songs are really cool. They weren't like B-sides. They could have made the record anyways. But we were like, let's try something a little bit different. But yeah, with everything just like available on the internet for instant consumption it doesn't really exist anymore and that's just another reason i love this record it like it's it it's it's a serious album but it doesn't take itself seriously last but not least i like to ask a question about cover art and uh you know we're, we're, we're talking about you know the way music is released we're the 21st century kind of anything goes whether it's in digital physical landscape but something that's always ever present is cover art in some way, shape or form. It's always supporting new releases. When you look at the front cover, um, what kinds of images are conjured up in your mind when you see, you know, um, when you see whatever and ever, amen. It's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like they didn't really care (laughs) about the cover, which is really funny. Um, the, like the background, uh, has this like it looks like a picnic blanket or like a curtain or something um and then the pictures themselves are like they must be stoned or they must be like it's just a very like whatever it's the album cover whatever uh type of thing um it also rockford files (laughs) yeah yeah and it's like you know that's like a polaroid camera pictures it looks like they didn't try very hard and i think that's great um it's it it feels timeless to me, and you know I love that it is pictures of the of the guys in the band. Um, it's something that I kind of regret with my own band. Is like we have awesome art, and we've like it's something it's something we have we have strive for is working with other artists, and so we collaborate with a lot of different musicians and artists and whatever on different things. And so for our artwork, we collaborate with some of the best artists in Baltimore or DC that we know. And they make our art and it's amazing. And we can talk about that. But I wish that we had an album that like just was like our picture, you know, because like as we get older, like that's who we were when we made that record. And it would be really cool to be able to look back at that. You know, it's 2020 and we're talking about a record from 1997. These guys are older guys now, you know, and they don't look like this. And I just think that's cool. And if you look at cover art from like the 50s and the 60s, you know, the Beach Boys, the Beatles and so on and so forth. They all, it was all them. It was just like, whoever, who was the person? And it was their picture. And I think that that's, that's cool. You know, I wish we did more of that. When you look at this cover, does this transport you immediately back into 1997? Do you think this is just a, a representation, you know, just even from a fashion point of view, you know, a little what, bit, what you would have seen? Yeah. I mean, like Ben's, um, Ben's t shirt, for example, has that, it's a white t shirt with a black collar. I, I had, a t-shirt just like that. I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if the part that's cut off on that t-shirt wasn't like a Mickey mouse or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, I can't really tell what the other guys are wearing. It looks like a black t-shirt and he has like a, he has like long hair that's parted down the middle, which is really funny. And then the other guy looks like a striped collared type shirt. It's very nineties. It's very, and like the, the Ben's shirt in particular looks like it's oversized. You know, it's Absolutely. cool. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, they look, yeah. it, what's cool about this is they look like a punk band, but, and like even the, the, the brand of their band, Ben Folds Five, like the way their logo looks, 
It looks like a punk band. It doesn't look like a three-piece jazz trio with like just a fuzzy bass line. It's hand-drawn. Just Yeah. Yeah. And the whatever, the W, <laughs> it kind of looks like the Weezer W. Uh-huh. Uh, but I like that they literally just used like hands. I think that's really cool. That is cool. Neil Carcanis of the Great Heights Band. It has been wonderful to talk to you today and yeah, talk man. about Ben Folds 5 and whatever and ever amen from 1997. Great yeah, I got to say one last thing. So um, this album also reminds me uh, of a very good friend of mine who passed away a few years ago. Because um, when I started learning to play music, my first instrument was the piano. And I was like, solid, okay. And then um, I wanted to learn the guitar. So I started learning the guitar. And my friend started playing the piano. And he was like a uh, savant. And he learned all these Ben Folds 5 songs. And so we were maybe like 12 years old. And he was shredding that, uh, that One Angry Dwarf solo. And so that was one of the songs I learned. One of the first songs I ever learned when I started playing music was One Angry Dwarf. And I learned it on the bass because there's no guitar in that song. So I played the bass line. He played the piano. Um, and we would perform that like for my my parents, friends and things like that in the living room and like in the garage, like neighbors would come by. And it was pretty cool. And you think back 12-year-old shredding that song. Um, so this, this goes out to him. Very cool. Very cool. Thanks so much, Neil, for being here. I really appreciate you sharing this, you know, your music, what you're up to and how much this record from Ben Folds 5 continues to, uh, you know, positively impact you in different ways. So thank you. Thanks, Matt. It's been a pleasure to be on the show. Um, and yeah, man, looking forward to hearing more of your new music. And um, I, I'm going to check out more of your episodes and, and get into some more records. Awesome. Thanks, Neil. All right. Stay safe, my friend. All right. All right. My special thanks to Neil Carcanis for stopping by cover to cover today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple. Take a moment to tell your friends and even some of your family about the show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That'll certainly help us appear higher in those search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at cover to cover conversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. And we hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover. <laughs>